And thanks for staying with us here on the Joy News Channel. This is The Pulse, but we're bringing you a breaking story that we have on this developing story about uh, the former Minister for Sanitation, Cecilia Abinadapa, as we are now confirming uh, from our Joy News sources that the Office of the Special Prosecutor is now moving ahead to charge Cecilia Abinadapa for not declaring her income uh, and we're getting details uh, on that uh, for you as uh, presidential correspondent Elton Brobe is on that beat. Uh, joining us in studio now with the story that we're learning of, Elton, is just coming in and coming fast because many of us initially uh, were, were of the view that the OSP was simply going after her because of this uh, scandal that we know of uh, regarding how she's kept and stashed uh, a lot of money at home. Mm. Uh, now that is fast changing because the Office of the Special Prosecutor is now going ahead to do something more. Give us the details. Let's start off with this fresh charge that the Office of the Special Prosecutor... Right, has. so, so Blazer, this is just coming in from... Uh, we have court documents. In fact, I'm going to share with you two Precisely. court documents. One from the Office of the Special Prosecutor and then... Another one from uh, Madam Cecilia Dapa, the former Water and Sanitation Minister. So uh, these are related matters. Remember that we're all you know, warming up to uh, the court case tomorrow because Madam Cecilia Dapa lawyers, they filed a process in court asking for abridgment of time. You know, the OSP went to court asking that the court allow it to continue to hold on to the seized cash and then for a confirmation. And... We, we are aware that the original date for the movement of that motion would have been on the 18th of October. Now, uh, this week on Monday, we heard from lawyers of, from Madam Sisiadapa that they filed some process in court hoping to move it tomorrow for abridgment of time that they want to bring the case forward. Now, there are two new developments on this matter. First is uh, an application that has been filed in court, uh, the High Court by the uh, Office of the Special Prosecutor, and this is the Republic versus Madame Cecilia Dapa, and the charge sheet is count one, statement of offence, failing to comply with a lawful demand on an authorised officer of the Office of the Special Prosecutor in the performance of his functions, contrary to section 69.1 of the Office of the Special Prosecutor Act 2017. Now let me read to you the facts of the case. According to uh, the, the, the charge sheet that the OSP has filed in court. Madam Cecilia Abdanapa, 68 years old, uh, on August 2023 in Accra, in the Greater Accra region, and within the registration of this court, mm -hmm. being a suspect yeah. under investigation for corruption and corruption related offenses, including using public office for profit in respect of suspected tainted large sum uh, reportedly stolen from. Uh, your residential premises, and this oh, which is which was the initial, exactly. initial case that premises. we all know and about. also retrieved from same by the office of the special prosecutor without lawful excuse, failed within 30 days to comply with a notice to declare your property and income served on you by the special prosecutor yeah. on August, on July 24th, 2023, under regulation 21, and the regulation is provided here as yeah. follows. And um, uh, so this is the case that has been filed in court. Indeed. By the and office we know that, that the Office of the Special Prosecutor says it is doing this based on further assessment of the earlier case. Right. Uh, the lawyers of Cecilia Bernardo as we know it, uh, were planning, obviously, as part of their uh, ordinary procedure, to challenge the claims by the OSP 
tomorrow. Yes. That was for sure. So, so, so this is a different matter. Okay, yes. And now this, this is this are another step taken by the OSB right. to charge here. Now, tomorrow's case would have been for the lawyers to ask for an abridgment of time to yes. bring the, the hearing of the, of the motion forward. Mm -hmm. But this is entirely different matter. Yes. Mm -hmm. But the OSB is taking a step further to charge her. Now, let me just give you the facts uh, to be adduced. Yes, we, we, we need that the because of the that's uh, critical. Initially, um, all the evidences were around how uh, she sold some properties, how the, the, her uh, dead brother's account was used. And, of course, the response from the law is that all of these is causing her untoward hardship. Her accounts had, had been frozen. But the OSP has further evidence and, and is uh, adducing that uh, in this fresh uh, matter that's before court. So according to the OSP, the accused was until 22nd July 2023, the Minister for Sanitation and Water Resources. He's a suspect under investigation by the Office of the Special Prosecutor for corruption and corruption-related offences, including using public office for profit in respect of suspected tainted large sums reportedly stolen from a residential premises and also retrieved from, from same by the Office of the Special Prosecutor. The evidence, according to the OSP, will establish that on the 24th of July, 2023, the Special Prosecutor, in the performance of his functions, served on the accused a notice to declare her property and income under, under Regulation 21, and the form is provided as, as, as an attachment. The accused, according to the OSP, was duly notified as per the statutory forms and by a cover letter under the seal of the Office of the Special Prosecutor and the seal mark of the Special Prosecutor that she was required by law to make the specified declaration and return same to the Office of the Special Prosecutor as per Form 12 of the first schedule of the legislative instrument within 30 days of service of her of notice. As at the close of business on the 5th of October 2023, the accused person, according to the OSP, had willfully failed without lawful excuse to return the duly completed statutory forms to the Office of the Special Prosecutor more than 30 days right. after the service of the notice and forms on her. The accused has been duly charged with the offence on the charge sheet. Okay, and for, again, for again let me run yeah, through yeah, quickly. The, the charge sheet, mm -hmm. the, the charge sheet yes. uh, relates to her failure to declare her income and property within 30 days as specified by the OSB, you know, regulations. Uh, let's try and, you know, get our viewers to have a simple breakdown of what's happening now. Uh, because for many who have followed this case, it's always been about the cash. The OSB now has a different argument, which you've just read to us. In simple terms, what's the summary of, of the OSB's? Demands. So again, the, the facts, according to OSP, that will be adduced in court. The claim is that the accused, the former Minister for Water and Sanitation, Madam Cecilia Bradapa, uh, is under investigation by the Office for corruption and corruption-related offences, including using public office for profit in respect of suspected tainted yeah. large sums of cash reportedly stolen from a residence yes. and also retrieved same from the, by the Office of the Special Prosecutor. Now, according to the Office, the evidence will establish that on July 24, yes. a special prosecutor in the performance of his function served on the accused a notice to declare her property and income under Regulation 21, uh, you know, of the of the of the legislative yes. instrument. Yes. Now, the accused, according to OSP, was duly notified as per the statutory forms and by a cover letter under the seal of the Office of the Special Prosecutor, and that she was required by law to make the specified declaration and return same to the Office of the Special Prosecutor as per Form 12 of the first schedule of LI-2374 within 30 days yeah. of the service on, on her of the notice. As at the close of 
business, according to OSP, the OSP. Mm -hmm. on October 5, 2023, the accused, the minister, the former minister for water sanitation, had willfully mm -hmm. failed without lawful excuse to return the duly completed statutory forms to the office of the special prosecutor more than 30 days after the service mm -hmm. of the notice and the forms on and, head. And, and Elton, and the, the, this charged. is why we believe this is so important, because if you draw the link, the OSP complied with the earlier court directive, but then moved ahead to subsequently freeze the accounts of, of Madame Cecilia Abinadapai again. And asking her to declare her income, right, uh, would then provide a fair idea to the OSP to know what her source exactly. has been all this while. What have managed to acquire within the period that you served as a, as a public officer? Anyway, uh, Elton, thanks for bringing us but this. Again, but uh, yes, we, we need to talk issue. about yes, uh, so, <laughs> the, so, the, the so, second so, lecture, so Madam this, which is Dapa, very critical. Mm -hmm. The former Minister for Water yes. has, has now gone to the, the Human Rights Court, you know. Which is on a separate development. Which is also on a separate development. And then is seeking to stop the OSP from continuing with um, the investigation that is currently yeah. ongoing. So lots of issues happening, and uh, obviously all of these uh, we need to break down. Uh, let's bring in lawyer Martin Pebble, who's uh, also uh, joining us this afternoon on a raft of issues that are uh, just developing. In fact, as we speak, the uh, Office of the Attorney General has also issued another document uh, indicating why it's unable to prosecute uh, names mentioned in the Professor Frimpong Boateng case. Uh, we'll get to all of that shortly, but Elton, just stay with me. Let's bring in lawyer Pebble. Uh, lawyer Martin Pebble, the OSP now... Uh, taking a more decisive action on Cecilia Abinadapa. Well, some say it's just furtherance of uh, you know what, what we've seen in the last few days. Uh, the need for her to declare her source of income. She's failed to do that, and the OSP is taking her on. Uh, is that you know in line with lawful practice? Absolutely, uh, blessed. Absolutely, that's the law, section sixty-nine of the OSP Act. Act 959, right? Says yep. that if the OSP requires you to give information and you don't give it, then that constitutes an offense, right? So that is what the OSP has uh, stood on in order to charge Madame Dapa. So this one simply put, is failure to provide information to the OSP. That's just a failure. So uh, in time, we will see if there is evidence to uh, charge her with sub the substantive offenses of corruption or corruption-related offenses. Mm. Uh, that, that's so it not, those ones are separate. Yeah. That, does it not seem as though the OSP is being overly fixated, if we, we could use that word, uh, on Madame Cecilia Abinadapa? Here's one case being dealt with on monies relating to uh, issues relating to the money that was stashed in the home. And then you have the OSP going ahead to trigger this action as well. Uh, should that be described as some sort of fixation on her uh, for, for, for reasons we are not able to explain? No, blessed. I, I, I'm trying very hard to see if there's any reason for us to think there is a fixation and uh, over fixation. Uh, but I'm not really seeing any. No, on the contrary, hmm, I don't think we've done enough in terms of fighting corruption. We've not done enough at all. Like we've been saying, look, Madame Dapai is not alone. We want to search the rest of the ministers. You think Madame Dapai is alone? This money that we've seen in her home is just a tip of the iceberg. It's long been out there that, look, our ministers have lots of our Ghanaian taxpayers' money in their homes. It's long been there since last year. But I know 
professionals like us didn't want to, you know, amplify those comments because you would be said that where is the evidence? Where is the evidence? You know, corruption is very difficult to fight. You won't find evidence lying around and about that you pick up and use against the, uh, what do you call it, those involved. So sometimes it takes some proactive measures. So look, Madam Dapa's case is just a tip of the iceberg. So every day that there's a new development in this case, it's also an opportunity for us to remind Mr. Kisie Jabin that he should search the rest of the ministers. He should search them. He will find more money. The same thing for the presidency. They are the people holding all the money. Why do you think we are suffering? It's because the money is in their pockets and in their homes. So they, I don't see the uh, over-fixation mm. or fixation simplicity. No, it's just the due process that uh, Mr. Ejabin is going into. And you know, uh, what do you call it? Let me pick the law. So I was expecting that Madame Dapas lawyers would advise her, because it's been stated here that offense is section 69. Let's read uh, parts of it to, you know, enrich the discussion. It says, offenses related relating to search, seizure, and obstruction of authorized officer. So section 69.1. A person who fails to comply with a lawful demand of an authorized officer in the performance of functions under this act. Then B, fails to produce property declared to be seized under this act. Then C, conceals or attempt to conceal property liable to seizure under this act. Or D, furnishes information as to an uh, information to an authorized officer which the person knows to be false, commits an offense and is liable on summary conviction to a fine of not less than 500 penalty units mm. and not more than 1,000 penalty units or to a term of imprisonment of not less than two years and not more than four years or both. So these are offenses that have been created in order to make right. suspects and accused persons cooperate with OSP. And Madame Dapa has not. This one is black and white. I see. Uh, even as we speak, the lawyers of uh, Madame uh, Cecilia Abinadapa are also making another attempt to stop the exercise of the uh, Office of the Special Prosecutor. That's also um, another developing issue attached to this uh, decision by the OSP to charge Cecilia Abinadapa. Elton, break that down for us, then I can get the um, you know, thoughts of uh, lawyer Martin Pebu on that. So the latest are also picking is that Madame Cecilia Abinadapa has also filed through her lawyers has filed, you know, an application at the Human Rights Court, and uh, he, she is seeking a declaration that the respondent, that's the Office of the Special Prosecutor, with seizure of the money initially seized from the applicant's home yeah. on 24th of July, and with freezing of applicants' bank accounts respectively on the 5th of September, is unfair, unreasonable, capricious, arbitrary, and ultra-virus. The respondent statutory powers under Act 595 relative to the constitutional provisions of Article 23 and 296 of the Constitution. Now, also seeking an order of, for the respondent to release the money received yeah. on the 5th of September to the applicant and to unfreeze her bank account. Also, an order prohibiting the respondent, that's the Office of Special Prosecutor, yeah. from continuing the investigation of the applicants for corruption or corruption-related offences. Any such... Further or other yeah, uh, orders 
as the Honorable High Court made him it fit. Now, the, applic the applicant prays the court for the relief deposed, uh, and, and, and these are the matters that I have I see. just and so, so basically, and so the, the, the lawyers are asking that, uh, first of all, the decision that the OSP took to refreeze you know, this account, because initially it was frozen, they went to court, the order was given, and now they are asking that that order be enforced because the uh, OSP carried out another freezing exercise again on these accounts. And then they want the money is also released to it. Yes, of course. I mean, the, the, the claim is that the, the, the OSP is relying on information arising from an unlawful arrest and search and also on grounds already found by the High Court to be unsatisfactory right. that the OSP has mm -hmm. exercised its powers of seizure without a warrant as the circumstances prevailing before the court William on the 31st of July 2023 remains the same and respondent has failed to adduce any proof of intention yeah. on the part of the applicant to conceal destroy or dissipate the alleged tainted property that the re-seizure, like I said earlier, yeah. the court should make binding orders uh, which commence the re of the and, the and then the refreezing mm. in flagrant breach of enabling acts and the high court ruling also in July. And the, finally, the Balenciaga Pilot is saying that the, the OSP actions are arbitrary, unreasonable, unlawful, and in flagrant breach of Act oh. 59959. Right. So these are the orders... Uh, He's seeking in courts, and this is just coming in. I see. Uh, Elton Burbury is our presidential correspondent, uh, bringing us uh, the latest on this. For those of you who have not heard it here on the Joy News channel, we just, we're just breaking the story to you that the office of the special prosecutor is going ahead to charge Cecilia Bernadapa for failing to, uh, you know, disclose, uh, uh, you know, her, to declare her income and also uh, property as well. Uh, then we know that the latest is that the lawyers also of Cecilia Bernadapa taking another action, or, uh, also in court asking the court, first of all, to unfreeze the accounts um, of, um, or to defreeze the accounts of uh, Cecilia Abanadapa uh, uh, and also to ensure that all the monies that were seized are released to her. This is the latest attempt uh, from the lawyers of Madame Cecilia Abanadapa. And then they are also going ahead to ask the court to halt the exercise, a probe which is ongoing by, uh, you know, the uh, Office of the Special Prosecutor. Absolutely. So we are waiting to... Uh, to see what happens tomorrow because uh, both the OSP and, and the lawyers will be in court, will be in court to decide. Move in motion as to whether the, the, the order should be brought forward. Right. Uh, grateful, Elton. Uh, lawyer Martin people, you're still with us. Uh, the, the action being taken by the lawyers of uh, Cecilia Bernadapa to, uh, you know, first of all, try and squash that order, the order from the OSP declaring that it will refreeze the account of Cecilia Bernadapa. Was that um, something that many of you were expecting? expected but you know we are a country of laws okay so we have the rule of law and it's within madame dapes rights to challenge every step of the process reasonably so it's okay we should grant her a day in court it's all right you'll find that such powers have been exercised in the past in this manner uh, i've said it on other platforms people will tell you and i'm sure you'll find thousands of our citizens who can attest to situations where, like this one, they go to court, then the court says, you are discharged. I'm talking about a criminal case. Mm -hmm. The court says only, so-so-and-so person is discharged, maybe for various reasons. The prosecutor didn't come, or the prosecutor is supposed to file some documents he didn't file. Now, when the accused person steps out, just outside the court, the police should re-arrest him, 
and take him back into custody and start the court process all over again. And it's been ruled by the courts that it is not illegal. So that's a practice that has been known to rise for decades. So that's the same thing Mr. Yabin has done. So I'm sure with time, you even find maybe ordinary citizens posting on your uh, on your platform that yes, he's experienced some. It happens all the time in court, all the time. For one reason or another, a criminal case can't go on. Then the judge will write, I mean, make an order. I hereby discharge the accused persons. Discharge means you go, but they, you've not been acquitted. So all I'm trying to say is that the case that went before Justice Chum, that the Justice Chum ordered the currency to be returned to Madame Dapa and the accounts uh, unfrozen or defrozen, didn't go into the merits, okay? And the judge was saying Uh, we seem to be having um, some challenges with the connection there. Um, Lawyer Martin, people, if you're still with us, uh, we lost you briefly on, on that point. Uh, are you able to take that for us again? Uh, well, uh, but for those of you who are joining us on the channel, uh, the one you watch right and see right behind me is the one in hot waters as we speak. Cecilia Benadapa, uh, of course, being charged again by the Office of the Special Prosecutor in this uh, breaking story that we're bringing to you on grounds that she's failed to declare her income and also uh, property, as the uh, Office of the Special Prosecutor is pointing out. Uh, Cecilia Benadapa's law is also, on the other hand, going to court and asking the court, first of all, to defreeze the account release a stolen cash uh, to her and also restrain the office of the special prosecutor uh, from going ahead uh, with any further prosecution. This is a developing matter and we'll be bringing you some uh, updates uh, on that. But this afternoon as well, the uh, Attorney General, Godfrey Yebo Adami, is also uh, revealing some shocking details to us that he's unable to recommend the prosecution of any person cited in the report on the alleged involvement of some government officials on the illegal mining activities, authored by Professor Frimpong Boating, the former chairperson of the Interministerial Committee on Illegal Mining. Now, Professor Frimpong Boating in recent times has been on a warpath with close relations to the president, including uh, Gabi Osario Tridako and other government officials for claiming in an official report that they were the ones actively involved in illegal mining activities. Well, um, we'll be hearing from uh, Professor Frimpong uh, Boating shortly, but let's get to the details of the uh, Attorney General's uh, legal advice, which we're just uh, bringing to you now. Uh, the fact that he points out that in court, the absence of any evidence on the docket to support any of the allegations uh, of illegal mining activities, we're unable to recommend the uh, prosecution of any of the persons cited in the report. Then he goes ahead to say that uh, they should therefore be discharged. We, however, await the outcome of the investigations uh, concluded or actually conducted in the case involving Seth uh, Mante, John of Riata, and also Echo. I will see, uh, as has been advised now by the Office uh, of the uh, Attorney General, uh, which is the latest that we have on the Professor Frimpong Boating 
uh, report for you. But Professor Frimpong Wating himself has commented on this matter earlier, pointing out that he believes and stands by whatever claims he makes in that report. Listen. I have to be honest because, you know, if you are doing something that important and some people who are influential and supposed to help are doing otherwise, you have to say the truth. I mean, I could have written a lame report, oh, Mr. President, everything is working fine and so on. But things are worse now, even now, and getting worse by the day. So I have to be very honest with the president and stay. Uh, look, I have written my report. If the attorney general or anybody wants to classify as being hearsay or this, it's up to them. You know? it's also, I'm not saying that the report was not. Uh, so what is factual? I mean, you can even take the constitution. What is factual in Ghana? Look at where we are now. What is factual? So I write a report, and what I think is an honest report to you, it's up to you. You see, information is what the importance of information is what you do with it, when you get information. So if I've given a report and you say it's not factual, it's been data, and you want to ignore it, fine. Hmm. Well, so that's his message. I've given, you know, my information out. You either deal with the matter or leave the case. Um, Lawyer Martin Peebo is still with us. Uh, And counsel, this is the opinion or perhaps the uh, advice from the Attorney General, Godfrey Yeboadami, on Professor Frimpong-Boating's report. Does that end the matter for you? Not at all. This doesn't. I think this is just the beginning, okay, of other major developments to come. Why do I say so? Number one, at least let's start with what the Attorney General's uh, opinion uh, concedes of the positive progress we make from it. That Lawyer Martin, people, if you can hear me, uh, one more time, we, we lost you on that point there. Uh, you know, you were just um, about pointing out why you believe that that should not be the end of the case. Uh, but one more time, for those of you who missed it, uh, the Attorney General, um, you know, point, putting out uh, his concerns and also what he deems to be that legal advice to the Ghana Police Service, as we're uh, bringing to you right now, that uh, in the absence of any evidence on the docket, uh, which got to do with uh, some seven or eight individuals that were mentioned in that report by Professor Frimpong Boating, what will happen is that all of the allegations do not have any evidence and that he's unable um, to recommend the prosecution of any of the persons cited in the report. Uh, lawyer, people, we, we lost you briefly. Can you take that point for us again? It's one case that will go forward against three people. That that's a case against Setmante, John Oforiata, that's a national security coordinator in the central region, and Echo Euzi, uh, former vice chairperson of the MPP in the central region. So the report says the criminal case against them uh, should the investigation should continue, right? That is a case involving the excavators, in which Seth Mante says that 
he used to collect money between 50,000 and 55,000 per excavator so that those who pay that money as bribes will have their excavators released. That money was paid to John uh, Ofuriata, who is believed uh, that is a national security coordinator in the central region, who is believed to also always pay it over to Ekoyuzi. So that side, that case, investigations will continue. And so for me, I'm happy about that. Good. Now, apart from that one, now let's come to the contentious part. Efo uh, Kofi. <laughs> I hope you don't mind me calling Efo Kofi, right? <laughs> now, what I'm interested in is this. The destruction to the uh, forest. I can't agree with the Attorney General that there's no evidence. Look, the forest was destroyed. Kobro Forest and the other one. So, the destruction that CJ Alaska, Alaska is said to have done, did it happen or not? I don't see the opinion talking about that. What I expect in respect of the destruction to the forest was that they would say they've gone to the field there, they've checked the forest out, and so they find a destruction. And if you find a destruction, the next thing is to find out who was there at certain periods that uh, Frimpon Boati mentioned. If we find that it was CJ Alaska that went there and they didn't have the permits, you would take on CJ Alaska and that's Donald Isua and his people. So I don't find the opinion satisfactory in respect of the destruction of the forest, those ones. That one, we need more work on it. Yeah, but he points out in the report that all the individuals involved in, the, in this case have been questioned except for the professor himself. Excellent. So, Evokofi, what you do is that you question the individuals. They say no, they didn't commit any offense. But you go to the forest. Go to the forest. The report doesn't mention that they went to the forest. Look, I, I reported a case against Wun to me. My name is Elomi, engineer Dr. Ken Ashibe, Kwame Sapon Esiedu, and then uh, this, uh, Senanu. Right, Adam Senanu. The police went to the, uh, the, the the forest. They've seen the distraction. We are still pressing the CID to press charges against the uh, what do you call it, Chairman me. Right? Yes. But in this particular report, you don't hear them saying they went to the forest. They've taken pictures. If they went there, they should bring the pictures, display the pictures, just like you are doing now, Efukufi. Display the pictures, and if we find that some vegetation is now growing, we'll get experts who can tell us that this vegetation is just maybe two or three months old, or even one year. And so there's uh, it shows that compared to the surrounding uh, areas, this place was devegetated maybe two, three years or whatever years ago. So this is forensic. This is forensic. We can't sit on that evidence. We need AG to send the investigators to the forest. I didn't find any statement that the investigators went there and took pictures and they did any forensic analysis. So short of that, the AG's report, the AG's opinion is not up to scratch when it comes to that specific area of any investigations being done on the forest. What sort of evidence are you expecting that, for instance, if the Attorney General indeed had decided to prosecute this case, he would rely on because the professor is not speaking. He wouldn't provide, you know, further evidence to some of the claims he makes in the report. 
Oh, the evidence is what I'm saying that one, they should go to the forest, take pictures, and if they find that even the forest is now uh, what is being reclaimed, I say some those parts have been reclaimed. You bring experts; they can analyze and tell you that maybe as recent as two years ago, this place was mined. Yes, yes but how do we connect? How do we connect easy. that to the individuals? How how do we connect that to the individuals? Because he's he's talking about some individuals. He's mentioned their names as well. Perfect. Now, the the from Pumbwatin report said Gabi called him. Gabi Otridako called him to say that oh, he's acting for CJ uh, uh, CNJ. Alaska, and that they had permits, blah, blah, blah. So that's a connection. So Gabby himself confirmed to Frimpon Boatin that his clients um, were in the forest legally. So please, we need the pictures and everything, investigations on that forest. When we get that, even though Frimpon Boatin is no longer speaking, under the law and even in the report, he confirms that he uttered it. So that evidence can be taken. From Pam Boatin will be supine, or if you say supined, even if he doesn't want to go voluntarily. And the way we've shown him so much public support, I don't think he would lightly say he will not come to court to testify. He should just come and testify about what is written so far in the report. So let's know the difference. In the AG's opinion, from Pam Boatin says he's saying no more, but he stands by what he has already uttered. Yes, so he should go to court and answer this uh, and give evidence in respect of the report up to what he voluntarily wants to give. That will be worth something. Then the court will build on that. But I'm telling you, Efo Kufi, the key evidence is that Gabi doesn't run away from the fact that he called from Pom Boatin and justified the presence of C and J Alaska in the forest. And here is a case from Pom Boatin saying they didn't have permits. Good. Did you see in the report any question of whether there were permits, CNG, Alaska going to the forest, and whether they had permits? None. So I'm telling you that this report is incomplete, totally incomplete. Uh, some say, some say, yeah, but, but, but some say that there's a, a, a legal uh, significance to the document that the Attorney General is putting out now. Uh, the fact that all other you know, Attorney Generals might have to work with this document, rely on the opinion in it, and also, government for now will be um, some way, somehow, tilted towards the opinion of the Attorney General, since that's the legal advisor to government. And so nothing, nothing more may, may come out from, from this investigation. No, no, no. I, I disagree. Legal opinions are revised all the time. You, revise, uh, you write an opinion based on certain facts that you have. If subsequently it turns out that your facts were inadequate, and so your opinion is incomplete. You go and revise it. Just like you see the OSP is going back to court. The first time they went, they didn't carry enough material. The court said, no, 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 no. The court threw them out. You see they've gone this time with more materials. So in court, we have a rule that anytime you find new material, you can come back to the court. That's in the trial court, not on appeal. If you mm. go to appeal, that one is a very stringent test, but I'm talking about the trial courts. If you find new material, there's a low threshold where you go back to the judge and show the new material, then the judge can grant what you are looking for. In the same manner, you write an opinion. The opinion is incomplete because it didn't have certain facts. You just, when you get the new facts, you revise it. So 
Efokofi, do you agree with me that reading the report, you didn't see any evidence that they said they went to the forest, inspected the forest, and didn't find any mining? Do you agree? Uh, that's, that's a fact. That's a matter of, of fact. Excellent. Uh, yes. So that is the point. That, that is the point. That is where we must stress. They must go back. Then number two, you don't find that they said they checked with Minerals Commission and uh, this, and they found out that there were uh, the requisite permits or not. Two, two facts, very serious. So please, this but, but, but how about but, but counsel? How how about the fact that the professor himself who's made these claims is not willing, is not willing to just cooperate with the police service, for instance, and to provide further evidence on this matter. What what could the, the good old professor be hiding if he strongly believes in, in the document that he's putting out? Look, Efokufi, let me tell you, if we had just about, I mean, 10 of the likes of Professor from Boateng would have made a lot of progress. To be honest with you, well, it's not satisfactory. It's sad that he's not willing to move forward. But to be honest with you, I'm grateful for what he's done so far. I'm extremely grateful if we would have public officers coming this far, all public officers who are sitting on rot, who are covering up for government appointees, political appointees. If only they um, and and there we have a, a, another challenge again, uh, connecting with uh, lawyer Martin Pebble, but uh, uh, his point uh, well made there. That's a private legal uh, practitioner. Uh, lawyer Martin Pebble joining us uh, here on The Pulse. And uh, we'll definitely bring you updates on this matter uh, and also keep you updated on what the Attorney General may do on this uh, case going forward. Let's focus now on the financial sector because it grieves customers of Gold Coast Fund Management amounting pressure on the Ministry of Finance to begin the disbursement of their locked-up investments uh, following the collapse of the Black Shield Fund Management in 2017, the group uh, has picketed the Ministry of Finance today, accusing the Minister, Kenneth Ferreira, of failing to authorize the disbursement of some monies for customers who uh, have their investments impacted as a result of the financial sector cleanup. Charles Jami is the convener for the group. We are the aggrieved customers of Gold Coast Fund Management. Customers who did investment with Gold Coast Fund Management, owned by Dr. Paco Sindum. The customers, uh, the company collapsed as a result of the government policy, financial cleanup exercise. After the collapse of the company, the government made us submit our claims of investment through the various banks of uh, consolidated bank across the nation. After that, the Securities and Exchange Commission came out with a budget of 8 billion Ghana cities to pay 47 fund management companies whose customers fell to the financial cleanup exercise. After this budget was made, the finance ministry and the government uh, allocated these monies in the mid-year 2020 and 2020 main budget. And in fact, they top it up to 8.6 billion. It means that in excess of 600 million. After this 600 million was budgeted for and approved by the parliament, the first tranche was done in 2020 mid-year budget. That was 3.1 billion. The government used it for something that is called partial bailout, which saw investments uh, of, uh, who gave each investment 50,000 Ghana cities. Now, the, the remaining 5.5 billion was approved in 2021 main budget. 
when that approval was done, there has not been disbursement. But all documents available from the finance ministry and the government in the parliament house and the public domain indicates that the government has spent 26 billion in paying out customers who fell victims to the financial cleanup. And when you try to digest the component of these 26 billion that the government claims it has spent, our approved 8.6 billion that's supposed to pay fund management customers in full has been calculated as part of the 26 billion that has been spent meanwhile this money did not reach us that is why we are here today to demand our immediate payment from the finance ministry since they claim that those monies have been spent they have to give us the money right here because they have created banks accounts for all these customers standing here across the various branches of the uh, uh, commercial banks and therefore we, uh, we expect them to advance money to the commercial banks for them to credit our accounts within these 48 hours that we are going to tarry here. Yes. Then we live here. Because we don't expect the government and the finance ministry to be so insensitive as to the point as we have exposed them for their greediness of spending our monies without reaching us. Look at the ages of these people standing right here. They are above 60, 70, 80. And if the government will be so sensitive enough to watch on for these people to tarry within the weather, scorched by the sun, and stand in the dew for the 48 hours, it will deepen their insensitiveness to the whole world. Some aggrieved customers also shared their frustration and hardship they are going through as a result of this uh, locked-up investment. After that, the Security Financial Commission came out with a budget of 8 billion Ghana cities to pay 47 fund management companies whose customers fell to the financial cleanup exercise. After this budget was made, the finance ministry and the government uh, allocated these monies in the media 2020 and 2020 main budget. And in fact, they top it up to 8.6 billion. It means that in excess of 600 million. After this 600 million was budgeted for and approved by the parliament, the first tranche was done in 2020 mid-year budget. That was 3.1 billion. The government used it for something that is called past police. We are appealing to government to pay us because our members are dying. Me, for instance, I have to go through hardship. It's no easy. Very difficult. Very, very difficult because I have to force my pension at 55, which I don't suppose to do that. I plan to enjoy life after working at the mines. So please, we are appealing to government to see to the finance minister release the remaining, the 5.7 billion that he still would finance minister, he should release it for us, please. I retired 23 years ago, having worked over 30 years. I expected to enjoy my retirement. So all the money I had, I invested. Let them release our money. That's all, so that it isn't the government's money. It is my money that I have worked and earned. So at least for them, the government to see that some of us, those who were civil servants, how much were we being paid? So all that we had, we had to invest to be able to earn something. The interest at least we could enjoy. Interest though, main principal, um, we 
have to go outside, beg sometimes maybe our friends, we call them that we don't have money. Give us something little. Even school fees, but we can't even pay. Now one exercise book is 10 CD, first is 2 CD. Why? One notebook is 50 CD. Why? Just a notebook for a child who is in class 5. Why? 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 Even the school fees for me. Eh, it should release the money. It should release the money. Awesome concerns uh, there by the aggrieved customers of defunct Gold Coast Fund Management when a standard meeting uh, subsequently was held amongst leadership and reps from the finance ministry. What's the update on that? Joining us now is Charles Nyami, convener of the group. Uh, he's joining us after that engagement. Uh, Charles, the hope is that after this engagement, at least the finance ministry will now be giving you some sense and hope as to when you'll get your funds released. Did you get that after the meeting today? In fact, there hasn't been any meeting between the customer leadership and the finance ministry. When we went there, we were engaged by a man who describes himself to be one of the directors at the finance ministry, requesting to have a meeting with us. Initially, we declined, with the reason that we believe he has no capacity to take any informed decision to resolve our Situation is it that you don't respect him? This is someone no, we, on no, we, 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 no, we, we have reason to that mm. because we have been at the finance ministry back in 20, the year 2020 with a protest where we handed over a petition received by a deputy finance minister with assurances to work on our requests. We never heard anything after that scene, so we believe that even at the level of Deputy Finance Minister receiving our petition with assurances that could not do anything about right. it. How much more a director whom we do not so know his designation? You don't know if so the Finance uh, Minister is no, the one no, sending no, 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 it. Wait, wait. Yeah. So, upon second thought, we yes. realized that if we refuse to meet them, yeah. they, may came in, they may come into the media. Yes to try and do propaganda that, oh, we wanted to engage them, the ministry wanted to engage them, but they, they were not they forthcoming. So we decided to meet with them. They ushered us in into a reception where business was ongoing there. When they ushered us into that reception, we sat there for over 40 minutes. But within that period, we had people coming in and out that reception who were over 100, and sometimes they may be intense. And so we were wondering, that, is, is this the place that we are going to hold the meeting? We asked them, they say, we asked the, uh, one person, yes. But we sat there for over 40 minutes. No one attended to us. Not even the director? No one attended to us. Meanwhile, the meeting was called at their instance. We didn't call for the meeting. Right. So before you call us for a meeting, we came there with genuine concern. Mm -hmm. You should be ready to engage us. So we realized that the one calling the meeting has no capacity to address any issue. That is why the person is rooming up and down without being able to tell us anything. Right. So after the 45 minutes, we decided to walk out. So we walk out of the place. And nothing went on. We were called in, but no one attended to us for the past 40 minutes that we spent at that uh, okay, for, 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 for the benefit of those who may have lost track of, um, you know, your concerns, how did it all start, especially for, you know, those who are customers of this defunct Gold Coast uh, firm? Thank you very much. You see, Gold Coast Fund Management was a company who was in existence for 25 years. Mm -hmm. 
before the financial cleanup exercise, a policy by the Nadeku Fado government, which sought to address uh, morphisms within our financial sector. We have no problem the government collapsing the business or whatever, because it came, it preluded with assurances that uh, it has been done to protect our deposits and our investments. So the company was collapsed. Customers were asked by the government to submit our claims of investment to various consolidated banks across the nation. We did that. After the validation, the Security Selection Commission, which is the regulator, came out with a budget of $8 billion that could pay all 47 fund management customers, 47 fund management companies' customers who fell to the financial cleanup exercise, which Gold Coast Fund Management is one of them. But Gold Coast Fund Management, when you look at the total number of these 47 fund management customers, a company's customers, Gold Coast stands about 90% of the total number, an investment portfolio to stand over 90% of the investment portfolio. Really? Yes. So, so you're more than any other group that we've heard. If you put all of them together, they stand what, What's the number looking like? The Gold Coast Fund Management, initially, after the validation of yes. everything, our number was put in the range of 140,000. 140,000 customers over. And as I speak to you, there are Gold Coast Fund Management customers who couldn't get the opportunity to be validated. So there are extra number which could not go through the validation. If we add that to that, it would be more than that, 140,000. So... When the budget, uh, when, when the uh, budget was made, that is uh, eight billion by the Security right. Selection Commission, that dedicated pay, to yes, tackling some that can pay all of us. Yes. The government and the finance ministry made allocation of this budget into the mid-year 2020 budget and 2021 main budget in two tranches. Right. In mid-year 2020 budget, they budgeted for 3.1 billion. And the parliament approved it. When the parliament approved it, that was in July 2020. In the November 2020, the the approved 3.1 billion was used to do something called partial bailout. Partial bailout in the sense that part of the money has been approved and we are going to pay it to the customers. Which they capped the amount to fifty thousand. It means that those who have investment beyond that, they, that, uh, not below, okay. not beyond fifty thousand. All of them were paid off, but those who investment was beyond fifty thousand got only fifty thousand, okay. and waiting for the remaining to be approved by Parliament mm-hmm. House for their full payment. Uh, have you done? You know, have you reconciled the figures? At least it, it might bring down the number from one hundred and forty thousand as we are looking at. To a much more yes, 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 yes. It has brought the, so it it has brought the number down. Right now, okay. we are left with, according to the figures, the, the the we are left have, with yes. 61,000. Okay. As good out of, of the 140,000 that's left with. Yes, yes. Okay. Good. So these 51,000, 61,000 people have investment beyond 50,000 50, cities. Good. And even among the 61,000, there are some who couldn't even got their partial bailout. Okay. They have their issues. So in the year 2020 main budget, the mm-hmm. amount of 5.5 billion to was sent to the parliament have to be approved for our full payment. Right. And they approved it. So it means that when you put the uh, 3.1 billion to, uh, together with 5.5 billion, the money was approved in excess of 600 million because it was, it, it was six, uh, 8.6 billion in totality. Right. When this approval was made, we have never seen any disbursement from the 2021 coming. But when you look at documents from the finance ministry, 
at the parliament and even at the public domain. The finance ministry and the government is claiming that they have used 26 billion to clean up the financial sector. This 23 billion, 26 billion, yes. when you look at the components that comes together to form the 23 billion, our 8.6 parliamentary approved bailout. It's contained in this document. It's, it's contained. Have in, you made attempts to ask the finance ministry um, for clarity on this? Because probably they were referring to another set of compensations that were done. Please, when you look at the 2021 year budget, paragraph 86, yes. 87, mm-hmm. and 88, it is spelled there categorically that this $5.5 billion is being sought Okay. Pay us in full. Gold Coast Fund Management name is mentioned categorically. First Bank name was mentioned categorically, and other fund management name that these monies will complete the cleanup and under truly, the. And truly, you say it would have sorted out yes, your concerns. Yes. But the money has not reached us, mm-hmm. but they are claiming that they have spent that money mm-hmm. as inclusive. The, the, so, concerns that we are raising is that, okay, these are taxpayers' money being given to a finance ministry. For the, to disperse to uh, customers who have had their funds locked up. Right. How can you spend the money without reaching the, ca- the customers? Well, we cannot conclude, and that's where I want us to place it. We cannot conclude right now uh, that probably they've expended the money. Maybe the money is sitting down somewhere. It might be given. Why should it be sitting somewhere yes. where some, whilst we have 800 of our customers dead and gone? Right. Because they couldn't have access to their money to take care of their medical bills. Why should it be so? What is the money waiting for? What was the money approved for? How, why did they raise the money? They raised the money to pay us. So why are they, what are they waiting for? So we are raising genuine concern, and we want every Ghanaian to be concerned. These are taxpayers' money. Taxpayers' money. And Trying to protect your identity by yourself is a lot like trying to be a quarterback without an offensive line. LifeLock alerts you to blindside threats you may miss on your own, even if you're monitoring your credit. If a threat happens to get through, a dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist is there to help. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash aware. That's lifelock.com slash aware to save 25%. Lifelock. Identity theft protection starts here. Wendy's new breakfast two for $3 Biggie bundles let you create your own delicious combo. Choose from a sausage biscuit, egg and cheese biscuit, small seasoned potatoes, and a medium hot coffee. But it's obvious which combos the best sausage biscuit and small seasoned potatoes well maybe it's the fresh cracked egg and cheese biscuit with a medium hot coffee or two savory sausage biscuits yeah whichever you pick you can't go wrong choose wisely choose wendy's new two for three dollar biggie bundles limited time only u.s price and participation may vary not valid in a combo single item at regular price a finance ministry cannot expand it without accounting for it i am in fact touched by the story of the um old lady we, we saw in the, in the picture that uh, it, it does suggest that many of your members are reeling under you know yes, the you effect see, of, of yeah, this yes. how bad is the situation? very bad, very bad you see our group is in such a way that over 80% of our members are above 80 years or so let me say 70 years right. they are old people okay, who did this investment after their knowing retirement knowing that they may get something else. so that they were depending on the monthly proceeds that came out of this invest that comes out of yeah. this investment for five years now most of them they were funding their medical uh, bills and whatever with this since it is not coming most of them cannot pay for their medical bills and they have to die 
We have businessmen and women who have their company collapse. We have a businessman who have in the tune of ten million dollars in this. Ten million dollars. I'm telling you. Ten million dollars. I'm telling you. Not Ghana cities. No dollars. And we have people who have an amount of let me say one million dollars, even one million Ghana cities, two million. They are all businessmen and now they are crippled. So how can you run economy by crippling your businessmen and women? Interesting. Uh, well, what's the next line of action? At least today you are the finance ministry. You say that there was no favorable outcome. Are you going back there? What, what's next for, for your group? Oh, this protest is 48 hours continuous. We are sleeping there for the next 48 hours. With that old ladies that you... The, the, the old so your people are still there? They are there. And from here, I'm going back there. We are going to sleep there. And you see, they are so insensitive to the point that they don't care. They don't care. They don't care. And if we have a nation who could sit down and make sure that and mismanage an amount of, let me say, over 60 billion to go waste and will not be concerned about a situation that you could use an amount of, let's say, 5 billion to sort out over 100,000 people. And I'm sorry for the kind of leadership that we have in this country. Are you hoping to meet the finance minister on this? He's the uh, one that we are looking for. Oh, so he's the only one you want to meet now? Yes, because the document that is out there, he has signed to it that he has spent that amount. And in the component includes our remaining balance. And we, need, we want him to explain to us how he spent the money. And how he's going to manage to pay okay, us. But, but the concern too is that, well, sleeping there might not be healthy for the people who are there. How about making use of other avenues you have in the law? Um, there's a right to information law. Uh, there are other channels of going to court. Have you tried some of these avenues just to, just to seek answers? If it is not in Ghana, why should a bailout that has been approved by the Parliament House, money's been raised, why should we go through this? legal process. It has been five years now. We don't have even money to go through to, uh, to, to, to consult the service of a, a legal practitioner. We don't have that money. These people, they are going through a lot of unhealthy situations in their homes. Some of them even uh, funding one square meal a day is difficult for them. So it's better they come out there to show their frustration to the government and the whole world for them to release the money than to stay in their homes and die. Um, if there's an appeal, that probably to the authorities who are watching us now, what, what would that collective message be to you know, the authorities that be? Okay, thank you. I hope some of them or most of them are watching us by now. For the sake of humanity, I'm pleading with them that for the sake of humanity and the lives of these old men and women who need to enjoy a little bit in their pension life, they should release the money. They should release the money because it is not good to treat your fellow human beings. You see, they should tell me how many of them will be happy if their salary, monthly salary, locks up for only five months. How would they survive? They should tell us how would they survive? Confiscating people money for over five years. This is a deadly situation. People are dying, and for humanity's sake, they should just do something about it. Well, Charles, uh, we can only hope for better days. Uh, we, we wait to see if there'll be a response from the finance ministry on this. But, uh, of course, we'll keep monitoring your activities at the finance ministry and, and see if there'll be some answers. Thank you uh, for spending some time. Thank you uh, for your time. Charles Yami is the convener for the aggrieved customers of defunct Gold Coast Fund Management. You're watching The Pulse. When we return, we'll bring you some more stories. Please do.
Hello, my name is Abeiku Agri Santana. If there's anything that makes my life so easy, it is my bank. I love hanging out with my boys' boys at our usual fufu joint. But even without cash, we still the job better with EcoBank Mobile. No matter the time of day, my bank helps me stay in touch with my beautiful wife whenever she's away. And when my beautiful wife is in town, she never misses out on her favorite TV shows because I'm able to pay up all my TV subscriptions from the comfort of my mobile phone. Whenever she has to get groceries too, my bank makes it cashless and convenient. And the part my wife loves the most is when my bank makes it possible and easy for her to shop from any part of the world without moving. <laughs> Welcome to the smart world of EcoBank. Download EcoBank Mobile from Google Play Store. All the store and discover the smart way to bank echo bank the pan-african bank That's true. It can store a lot of water. That's so true. Wow. It has a working surface it. Mm-hmm. That's so true. I can see S-I-N-T-E-X syntax. That is so true, my daughter. When it falls down, it will spoil That's not true. But why? Why? <laughs> Syntex was the first to introduce double layer tanks in Ghana. Syntex again was the first to introduce white inner layers in Ghana. Syntex gives you the biggest warranty seven years. No matter your water needs, Syntex is the answer. Syntex tank. Are you strong? Are you tough? The stage is set for Africa's most prestigious awards event. Join us to celebrate the men of the year at the 8th EMY Africa Awards on Saturday, the 14th of October at the Grand Arena, Accra International Conference Center. Red carpet starts at 6 p.m. Our partners include the Diaspora Affairs Office of the President of Ghana, the Multimedia Group, EY Ghana, Rhythms Africa, and the Labadi Beach Hotel. Our sponsors, the NLA 590 Mobile, Arocha Ghana, Go Energy, Flora Tissues, Udine, Baggett Ghana, DVO Ghana, and Special Ice Water. Supported by Media Partners, Joy FM, Joy Prime TV, and Adum TV. For more information, call 020-201-8870. The 8th EMY Africa Awards. Inspiring greatness. alumni homecoming and the grand celebration of UBSA's 58th anniversary as we gather under the theme, The Global Impact of Professionals in Business. 
Program lineup for the celebration are as follows. Friday, 27th October, 2023. Ignite the night with a bonfire and drama performances with old school dressing. Variety of entertainment at 7 p.m. Saturday, 28th October. Get your adrenaline pumping with alumni fun games. Current students will contribute to a noble cause with blood donations starting at 7 a.m. Tuesday, 31st October. Mentorship sessions at 2 p.m. All activities will take place right on the UPSA campus where it all began. For more information, visit our website at www.upsaglobalalumni.com or contact the UPSA Alumni Office on 0243-288-579 or Room 19 Central Administration. UPSA Scholarship with Professionalism. The Inspector General of Police, Dr. George Ekufo Dampari, who've described him as being biased. Lawyers for the IGP are resisting any attempt by Parliament's ad hoc committee probing the alleged plot to remove the IGP to invite any external witnesses. The committee continues the in-camera hearing case uh, today and all witnesses are expected to tender their evidence, including witnesses who, who are, are going to testify. But lawyers for the IGP are of the opinion that their testimonies have no relevance to the investigations while insisting that the committee has completed its work uh, per the terms of reference given by the Speaker of Parliament. Well, my colleague Samuel Burrell was there earlier and brings us the inside story. The investigation into the alleged plot to remove the IGP has revealed intriguing revelations from the witnesses who have testified during the public hearings. Chief Daniel Bugrinabu, the central figure behind the tape, has shared his motivations and the story behind the recording. Senior police officers, COP Alex Mensah retired, and Superintendent Georgia Sari have also given their testimonies and requested an in-camera hearing to provide further details of their allegations. Even National Security Minister Albert Kandapa was invited and shared findings but declined to submit documents as evidence citing national security concerns. It's an interim report, but you will not share it with us. Because if you care to know, it's a national security document, it's not declassified. And in terms of law and the constitution, there's no way we share it with that. The committee took a substantial break to review and analyze the evidence presented to it. It resumes today for a comprehensive in-camera hearing. However, ahead of the hearing, lead counsel for the IGP, Kwame Jan, expresses dissatisfaction with the committee chairman, Samuel Athachia and signals strong opposition to inviting external witnesses. The chairman is operating as if he is a sole commissioner, and we are going to use all necessary legal means at the hearing not to accept this, and I will protect my client's interests to the best of my ability. This is my oath as a lawyer, and we will resist any attempt by the chairman or the committee to bring any extraneous person to come and testify. On the other hand, Lawyers for Superintendent George Asari challenged the IGP's legal team to resist the invitation of external witnesses if they have nothing to hide. To say that you are going to resist, it presupposes that maybe you have some skeletons hiding in your cupboard and you think these witnesses are going to expose you. Meanwhile, the lawyers representing the IGP accusers have written to a parliamentary ad hoc committee requesting protection for their witnesses during testimony. Tensions seem to be escalating as the IGP's legal team has vowed to approach the hearing more assertively. But we are not going to go ahead with kids' gloves. 
in, in the subsequent proceedings. We will not. Are you ready for a showdown? I won't say showdown. This one will be a show up. Showdown has been abused and battered. Expectations are higher for the in-camera hearing scheduled for five consecutive days and expected to conclude on 10th October and it is anticipated to bring closure to the ongoing investigations. Samuel Mbora, Joy News. Well, so how did uh, activities unfold uh, for day one of the resumption of hearings at the Parliamentary Ad Hoc Committee uh, sitting? So uh, joining me now in studio is uh, Samuel Mbura, who was uh, there throughout the day. And of course, uh, uh, you, you got a high five there from the Inspector General of Police, Dr. Um, Georgia Kufo. Exactly. So yeah, mostly uh, when he excited arrives... Excited about that, by the way. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> mostly when he arrives, he gets yeah. some level of uh, morale from his I see. people. And that's I what see. he was doing. They line up. They salute him, they exchange pleasantries before he moves in. So from day one that he appeared before the committee, that's what his um, Used to do home up members oh, do. So it's, it's not actually a new thing that happened or that has happened today. Okay. It's something that he does with his men whenever he arrives. Just maybe one day, you never know. He might be on the pulse, I'll give him a uh, Exactly, surely he, he will. <laughs> okay, let's talk about day one now. Um, lawyers of the NGP uh, taking issue with the chairperson of the committee, Samuel Atacha, and they believe that, well, you've completed your work. The Speaker of Parliament asks you to simply check the veracity of the audio. Exactly. That involves Bugreen Abu, uh, Alex Mensa, COP, retired, and uh, Superintendent George Asari. But the committee wants to go beyond that. Yeah, so those are the claims of the, the lawyers of... Um the IGP, they are of the firm conviction that your terms of reference is for you to establish the veracity, like you said. You have been able to do that. You've been able to unveil the faces behind mm-hmm. yes. the leaked tape. So why don't you go ahead and, I mean, write your report to Parliament, what yeah. you have uncovered so far. So they think that extending it to other witnesses is more or less putting the entire Ghana police service to trial. Yes. So why don't you limit it there and then... Um, get the evidence that they have presented, scrutinize it, and based on that, that will inform your decision going forward in presenting your report and recommendations. Mm-hmm. And that is why they think that the comments, you know, uh, one of the sittings, I think the last sittings before this in-camera hearing, okay. uh, the chairman of the committee said that it has come to their realization, he used the word that uh, what was presented to the committee mm-hmm. was doctored. Yeah. It was based on that ground that lawyer Kwame Jan said, those comments are prejudicial because they have not all had the benefit to listen to a new tape. So how can you conclude that the tape currently before the committee is a doctored one? In spite of that, the IGP still appeared before the committee today. Exactly. So all witnesses mm-hmm. appeared. The principal witnesses appeared before the committee. We had uh, Bugri Nabu, whom we know is... Oh, the he was there today? Yeah, Bugri Nabu was there. We had uh, Superintendent George Sari, one of the police officers... COP Alex Mensa was interestingly. I didn't know where he passed because I was I, I was trekking around um, those, uh, the two entrances to the floor that this um, probe is uh, going on. But I never saw him. Uh, but I saw George Asari also coming with his team and the IGP coming. But the IGP took an earlier leave because we understand he had another national assignment um, to attend to. So he had he just lasted like some twenty minutes in the committee and then. He was granted leave by the by the committee to go and attend to the important issues that the other important issues that he raised before them. So, for now, 
we know that day one, we're done with the activities. But the lawyers of the IGP are still not happy about some of the happenings. What, what have they been telling you? Exactly, Blessed. This is actually the day the one of the in-camera, I mean, the day two of the in-camera here. Right. Because okay. we know that yes. the first okay. one was the Minister for National Security, Kandapa, who appeared and testified, but he refused to tender in documents as evidence. Yeah. So day two of the in-camera hearing, they were expecting that the accusers of the, um, the IGP will appear with evidence or their witnesses. However, that did not happen. So uh, Mr. Kofi Bento, who speaks for the legal team of Dampari, um, said that uh, it is an overstretch and they are really disappointed about the whole process so far. Maybe we can just listen to him. Uh, ben is in your shot. Uh, some of the senior police officers who are joining uh, the IGPs, um, I mean, arrival at the uh, parliament for the uh, continuous um, probe into the leak. This is where some of us have a problem with this whole thing. If you have to bring the head of Ghana security here to come and listen to his subordinates as to whether they have some evidence concerning his work. In the first place, if you are serving police officer, there is a process to use. It is not this case. So again, our concerns remain. We want to assist Parliament to achieve the goals of this committee, which is to deal with the issues concerning the conspiracy to remove the IDP, which was captured on the tape. And all the pertinent issues regarding that have been dealt with. For purpose of clarity, is it a fact that the committee chairman blocked the POMAP members from uh, accompanying the IGP? Mm, I wouldn't say he blocked them. This was um, a hearing in camera. And so if you don't have uh, a reason to be there, you're not supposed to be there. And a very important point has to be made about POMAP. The IGP has not been someone here in his personal capacity. We will have to keep repeating that. POMAP is the group that manages the Ghana police. Some of the questions being asked properly have to be asked POMAP. And wherever these issues arise, in fact, the answers of the IGP, the responses of the IGP, the conduct of the IGP reflect on POMAP. He does not work alone. So POMAP came here because this is about them also. And so they entered the room. Indeed, it is our argument that POMAP should have remained in the room. And if, even if the IGP had to leave, he could have left certain members of POMAP there to answer certain questions. But when we went in, um, the chairman said, well, it is supposed to be in camera, and therefore uh, not everybody ought to be there. Again, out of abundance of respect for the Speaker of Parliament, for Parliament, and the committee and the chairman, POMAP members agreed and excused themselves. Do you think that was a fair, a fair decision by the committee? It is chairman? my view that it was a compromise. But it is also my view that we should not limit state institutions to individuals. And I repeat, the IGP is not here in his personal capacity. He's here as head of police. And the proper group that manages the police is Puma. So they were properly here, and they could have properly been in the room. Indeed, there will be answers that maybe the IGP will not have immediately. Like I keep saying, there are 50,000 people in the police service. There are regional commanders, district commanders. Some of the things that are being leveled against him happen in some region, and they are the subject of you know um, other uh, inquiries. So clearly, he will not have all the answers, and that's why he needs Puma. But yes, when the chairman requested it again, out of abundance of respect for the chairman, they excused themselves. Will you allow your client to appear before the committee tomorrow? Again, um, I will take instructions from my client. My client's instructions are that he wants to absolutely cooperate with the committee. And to the furthest extent, he wants to be here. I have to say that it is not always even in the interests of, I think, the nation that he leaves his duties to be here. For instance, tomorrow, 
the chairman says we should be here tomorrow to come and see if there is new evidence. And the question was asked, so we should get off what we are doing, come and sit here. What if there's no new evidence? We'll come sit here, there's no, there's no new evidence, then we all go home. We don't think that is proper use of executive time of the IGP. Okay, uh, Kofi Bentel there, uh, explaining why they have issues with uh, the chairperson of the committee. We'll hear from the chairperson of the committee uh, shortly, but there's this incident he keeps referring to about the police management board also being part of the in-camera hearings, because uh, the chairperson of, of the committee yeah. did not allow that to happen. Explain to us. So it is not only the uh, board members of, um, I mean, the police that were not allowed. Right. Now, today's meeting was with witnesses involved so you the witness and your lawyers right, appearing together. for the committee so it is an in-camera one so the chairman was of the view that since the POMAP the accusations are not against POMAP members not against the Ghana police service specifically but Dr. Kofodampari he alone is supposed to appear for the committee a reason he asked that they wait for him outside they'll deal with him and then come back but uh, the lawyer there wasn't happy he felt that it was a compromise. He felt it wasn't fair. And why um, do they keep, you know, going back to that same point, having issues with the chairperson of the committee? Well, we don't know the established reason yeah. yet, but they think that the, the chairman, as I said earlier, has a hidden agenda against their client, but we don't know exactly what this uh, hidden this agenda is. supposed is to be the Honorable Samuel Atasha. Exactly. So uh, he has also been responding to that. He described it as a baseless, and he says it is not someone who is outside the committee that will teach them their, their work. We can listen to him addressing the press after the sitting today. No, the committee felt that because we said we are doing uh, the matters in camera, you understand, it will not be fair for non-witnesses to be present. That was the thinking of the committee. What is the meaning of the in-camera? Would have brought you there because you are also not going to testify. You are just, I mean, members of the, I mean, press. So what is the discrimination here? The members of the press are not being admitted into a small chamber here. Why should we admit a senior police officers who are not going to speak to come in there? So these are some of the, excuse me to say, in Congress, I mean, and some absurd positions people can, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm say. And get away with it. The committee will make a determination as to whether the intended witnesses and what they want to say bear relevance to our remit. If not, and then we are on a wild goose chase, but that's not our remit. If we are not careful to, some people who want to settle personal scores with the RGP will use this platform to do so. And we are wiser than that. We are not going to, as going to say, be so elastic in our orientation that the whole of our time we spent on, I mean, other, I mean, if you like, non essentials. You are digressing from the details of in terms of reference. Well, well, I think the one who, who, who is the greatest thinker of the world will say so. And he is very, very intelligent to say that all of us are wayward and is the most intelligent person <laughs> to show us how we should work. I know where it's coming from. It's an absurdity. And that person should refrain from detecting to this committee. Yes, no matter how exalted he thinks, you know, 
Yes, I've never seen anybody who is in the football match trying to determine the rules of the game. It's all- yeah, similar to China is not uh, taking any more of that. Exactly. It's not happy. Yeah. So that's the explanation they gave. That's when you pull up and then they... Okay, so it, it, it does suggest that something else will happen tomorrow. Exactly. So tomorrow the probe continues. Uh, as you heard, the lawyer for the IGP, Kofi Bento, the committee chairman has asked that they should come tomorrow, all of them, to respond to any possible evidence that will be brought by the witnesses. So we are not certain as to what will happen tomorrow. But all witnesses are supposed to appear for okay. the committee. Uh, my colleague Samuel Mbura uh, getting us the latest on this uh, parliamentary ad hoc committee seatings. We'll definitely uh, update you uh, and give you the latest uh, tomorrow. We cross you over now to Liberia because uh, the West African country is having their very first elections uh, after the UN withdrew its uh, stabilization force in the country uh, owing to a prolonged or a protracted uh, conflict in the country. Will Liberia pass the test after today's elections? Let's get more on how the exercise uh, has fared so far uh, with polling almost closing. And I Algemize uh, with a foreign desk here at Joy News and is joining us live from Monrovia. Nanayao, what can you report? And first of all, what's your assessment of, you know, election day? So going through the various polling stations in Monrovia, I can report that the situation has so far has been largely calm. Um, from the polling stations that we've reported, the only um, negative or the only um, you know not so good news that we can report is that most of these uh, polling stations are overcrowded. So it's making it very difficult for people to cast their ballots. But per the electoral regulations, if you are within the queue before before 6 p.m., you are eligible to vote. So these issues, depending on how long these people can wait, they will be, will be able to cast their ballots. More than 2.4 million people are expected to today cast their ballots in Liberia. As you are already aware of, uh, 20 candidates are racing to become the president of Liberia for the next six years. Already a lot of electoral observation missions are in Liberia. We're talking of the ECOWAS, the UN, the AU, uh, USAID has its own um, uh, observation mission also in Liberia, and a number, a number of them all going around the various electra or the polling stations to ensure that um, there's fair and credible elections here in Liberia. Already we are learning that in some counties, um, including the Sino County, the elections is yet to start, even though we are two hours to the closing or the closure of post election in these counties or, or in this county is yet to start. The reason we are getting is that the, um, the, the, the election materials got drowned this morning as it was being transported to these areas. Uh, it, was, it got drowned in a creek within the Sino district or the Sino county. So um, we tried getting some information from the National Electoral Commission and what they are telling us is that they understand that there are challenges and they are working around the clock to resolve these challenges and make sure that these people get to vote. But 
up until we come we came on air that the, there hadn't been any new development within this area and also in an area called Grisgi Farm also within the Sino County um, the, 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 the materials for two of the polling stations got wet this morning after the truck transporting these materials got stuck in a muddy area and as as as, as you know Liberia is still within the rainy season, so often we get rains, or Liberia gets rains. So the, uh, these were these materials got drenched by the rain this morning. So um, it's it's unclear if this county will also this area will also get to vote. But what I can report is that across Liberia, in these various areas where the election is taking place, we are yet to. Um, get information about any uh, violence within these areas. I see, Nanael. Uh, but, but let's talk about you know, your interaction earlier with the Economic Community of uh, West African States, uh, ECOWAS, which says that it is uh, deeply concerned about the democratic gains made in Liberia. It will want to consolidate that in this year's polls. Why is ECOWAS concerned about a peaceful election uh, in Liberia, and why should it matter to you know those within the West Africa SAP region? We are all aware of what is happening in the West African states. That is the overthrow of democratic, democratically elected governments. So, for this reason, ECOWAS believe that it's about time that they use this election as a test case to prove that democracy is the only way out of um, the situation that we have here in Africa, especially West Africa, to be precise. So they, they want Liberia to also send a strong signal to other West African countries that democracy is the option. Now, this is the fourth time that uh, Liberia is having election after the civil war and um, the people of Liberia gradually are getting to understand democracy and are getting to show or participate actively in democracy. So they would want this message to also sink in the people of Liberia. That is why they are devoting a lot of logistics and also human resource to ensure that this polls um, remains credible and and, and also, um, you know, it's violent free. So ECOWAS remains on the grounds this morning. ECOWAS have been to some of the polling stations and also some situation rooms within Monrovia that's set up by other observation missions. For instance, that we have the fly the fly group, which is made up of young people in Liberia, they have their own situation room this morning. ECOWAS was there. And they also went to others that are dotted within the city of Monrovia. And they've been picking information from all of these um, observation missions within um, Liberia. So ECOWAS also has its own observation mission. And I understand that in very few minutes, ECOWAS will be briefing the media on what they've been able to gather um, in these counties as well. So uh, ECOWAS is demonstrating a lot of interest in this particular election here in yeah. Liberia. Indeed, Nanay uh, Aljuma, keep uh, monitoring that for us. Uh, we're also uh, delighted to be uh, hearing of how peaceful the exercise uh, has been so far. Nanay Aljuma reporting from Monrovia. We'll get you updates here uh, on your election headquarters. And you're watching the polls.
here on the John News Channel. More on the Liberian elections on Connect Africa later uh, on this channel at 6 p.m. Uh, exactly. You want to be on the John News Channel. We'll bring you a three, uh, 360 uh, degree uh, coverage of all the actions that are happening uh, right now in Liberia. And uh, we've got more coming your way uh, in a jiffy. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. This is The Pulse. Jabano has been looking forward to this day for many years. A day she would have her own beauty parlor. Though she had a good career in banking, she wanted to do what she loves most. And then this. I realized that I was having little time for the family because I wake up very early, leave the kids at home, come back very late. So by the time I come back home, they'll be asleep and I will not have enough time for them. Joyce is blessed with the gift of making people look good. And while she worked at the bank, she would make her colleagues up. Because I was doing it for them at the office, so they recommended me to their friends and their relatives. And I realized that most people come back again. When Joyce took the decision to start Red Apple Looks, she wanted to be different. She was determined to change Ghana's beauty industry norms. Red Apple Looks on the Joy Business Fan this Wednesday on TV, radio, online and on ground. Powered by Joy Business and supported by Ecobank, the Pan-African Bank and MTN. What are we doing today? the heart of the illegal mining craze. Babies are being born, deformed. Their formation stages interrupted by poisonous minerals exposed by illegal mining. The baby is deformed, you can't find the sexes of the baby. The placenta had a lot of mercury and lead. But those who seek gold continue to expose the toxins that nature wants hidden. Cadmium, lead, copper, mercury, they are of alarming concern. When you bring it up there, they are mobilized into our water bodies, and that is where we get exposed to them. The country's water bodies have become lifeless. 
Across Ghana, they flow like a plague, polluting the sea with the venom of illegal mining. You need about 10 to 15 micrograms per deciliter in your blood, and you are in trouble. In this documentary, Irasto Sosoredonko and his team investigate how silently Ghanaians may be poisoned for gold. Poisoned for gold. Well, she's just 21 years old, and uh, Melsa Efia Notewa has chosen to work instead of furthering her education for now, uh, so she can help her younger siblings get educated. This selfless act has seen her venture into a male-dominated workspace, which is not only challenging uh, her to keep uh, being better, but also inspired to help others. She shares her story of hope with Joy News. She's had to put on hold pursuing her education. The aspiring journalist Melsa Ifia Anochoa is now hungry to make money because she has siblings to take care of. I wanted to become a journalist. A journalist? Yes, please. And so do you still have that ambition or you've just packed it somewhere? I still have it, but I packed it because there was no financial support. I lost my dad when I completed SHS. There was no financial support, so I had to stop work and support my mom to take care of my other siblings. And me being the eldest, I think it is a duty for me to help and support the family whenever and however I can. Right after completing senior high school, she ventured into finding jobs and she's done quite a lot. I want to work hard, get money because I don't want to be depending on anybody or become a burden or a liability for anybody. So I want to work hard, make ends meet for myself, and also get something to support the family. Her hard work and customer service and her spot from one good company to another. This time, Google Wash. I didn't know much about the car detailing and how everything about the car is. But when I got into the company and I saw how everything is, I really like the job. And I, I'm not considering... Do you hear that? That's the sound of holiday joy at the Home Depot, where you can find everything you need to get ready for the holiday season, like all new festive outdoor decor. Spread more joy this season with bigger, bolder, and brighter inflatables from the Home Depot, like our exclusive new 8-foot animated Santa and reindeer inflatable for just $149, available in-store and online. Get holiday ready right now at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. I'm going to school now. I want to learn more and become perfect before I go to school. Even if I won't go back to the company, I can do something on my own. Melsa, 
trained by her employer to fill a new role of an administrative executive and how to effectively wash vehicles is now a trainer of other employees. When it comes to work, we do our work. After work, then we talk. But when it comes to work, it's seriousness. Because we give the customers time, sometimes 45 minutes. So I, would, I don't want a situation where by maybe an hour or an hour and 30 minutes, then the customer will come and we are still on the work. Melsa shares her daily routine. All I know is that the car wash, you go there, they wash your car. But I didn't know they do this vacuum and everything. But when I joined and I saw how everything is like, we do the vacuum, we steam engine and everything. And I've learned everything and so far I like the job. Considering the notion that car washing is associated to males, Melsa said she's actually surprised to be receiving only commendations. When I started, it got to a time when I go to some of the customers and we are doing the wash, uh, the car wash for them. They they will be like, ah, why why are you with only why are you the only girl with guys and why are you doing this kind of work? I don't feel bad, I don't feel embarrassed, but I I am happy because it's. It's like you're exceptional and it's, you're the only girl working with guys. So I even encourage some of the girls to come and do it, but whenever they come and they just leave. I don't know. They feel it is a very hard working, a very difficult job. What an inspiring story there of a 21-year-old girl. Uh, but there's a bigger conference happening here in Akrapa, uh, which has been organized by the Part uh, to Girls Foundation as the Power of Girls uh, Conference uh, being organized there in Accra. And it's, uh, you know, part of a broader uh, push to encourage, uh, you know, the likes of uh, the 21-year-old uh, Elsa that we saw in that report and others uh, who are aspiring to do more. Uh, joining us uh, in studio now is uh, Abba. Jackson, uh, who's uh, with the Power to Girls Foundation. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. Thank uh, it's you so a much for pleasure me. to know that you know you're pushing young girls and encouraging them to do more. But let's talk about the event which is uh, happening here in Accra. What's the power of a girl a conference? Girl conference? Yes. Why the conference and what are you seeking to achieve? Thank you so much for having me. Um, so this is going to be our second annual Power of Girl Conference. Like you said, um, I'm from Power to Girls Foundation. We run programming for young girls. Um, we do programming on mentorship, mental health and wellness, um, entrepreneurship, leadership and STEM basis. And essentially the conference is to celebrate girls. Tomorrow is International Day of a Girl Child. And so we organize this annually on the day of International Day of a Girl Child to one, celebrate girls, to yes. show them, um, to give them access to resources. We, what we do is we bring women from diverse backgrounds. So like we have a panel tomorrow, it's the women in STEM, where we have Shikanik who's coming. We have Dr. Sophia, we have mass DJ. So we're really just showing young girls that, look, you can do whatever you set your mind to. Yeah. Um, you're able to do anything you want. Nothing is limiting you. And over here at Power to Girls, we like to believe that we're able to do anything. So that's essentially what the conference is about. It's happening tomorrow at the Osu Presbyterian Hall from 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. Um, as well as, I don't know, did I answer all of your questions? Uh, who's expected to be there? Okay, who's expected to be there? <laughs> Everybody. So we're yes. we're, we have girls coming from junior high school and senior high school. We're expecting 1,200 girls um, to empower them. We have um, Aisha Ado, who's the founder, who's going to do a power talk. Now Shoko is coming in to talk to the girls as well. Um, we also have different workshops that the girls are able to go through. So 
um, workshops from like self-defense all the way to coding, all the way to introduction, sorry, to tech, all the way to like dance with purpose, doing a a workshop on dancing, like a packed day. There's a whole lot. Yes, a whole lot. What message are you leaving with young girls as we wrap up? First of all, make it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. We have, we can't wait to have you guys. And secondly, like I said, you can do anything you put your mind to. Do not ever, ever think that anything is limiting you. Even if you're in the tiniest town, in the tiniest place in Accra, you can still become anything you want. Yeah, and indeed, the girls need to go out and shine. Yes, thank and, you. And, and we're giving them the power. <laughs> indeed. Uh, Abadat, and joining us uh, from the Power to Girls uh, Foundation, and you need to be there tomorrow. That's all we have for you in this package of The Pulse. I'm Lester Sugan. Next is uh, Let's Talk Showbiz. You can log on to myjoyaline.com. We have updates there for you. Thanks for watching. Bye-bye.